Benjamin. Hello. Hello. Oh my gosh, much better. I realized that you were calling me, um, and and I couldn't hear it. I could only see it, and I was like, "Why is that?" And then I moved, and my headphones were were not they were, they were plugged into the air. Huh. But but the MacBook good. Air. Oh hey, uh, they are plugged into the MacBook Air now. It's all working. It's all it's all awesome. Hey, what's going on? How are you? I'm I'm good. I'm good. I'm sitting here. Uh, I'm sitting here in my uh, in my home office. Uh, beautiful fall day here in New Jersey. Here too. Um, also fall. Uh, in it'll be, confuse our audience because I'm sure it'll be uh, spring when when they listen to this. Uh, episode. <laughs> I, 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 I wanna I wanna tell myself we're catching up. We are catching up. You're. I see that you're gonna post an episode today. Because you asked me about show titles. Well, yeah, let's hope let's hope that I posted today. I was definitely asking you about show titles. I just realized that the show so I've listened to the show to get show titles and then I started editing the show notes and I realized that they needed some work, but but I, I think I'm they're just gonna have to be good enough and then I'm gonna have to actually go back and, and edit the audio for the show, uh, because I listened on my, what I like to do. So this is, this is fascinating. I know for, I like to know how we make the sausage. Um, but basically what I do is I listen to the show, but I, but I listen like, like I listen to a regular podcast and I'll, I'll listen on my iPhone and then take notes in a note app about potential show titles. And then I also take Sounds notes good. about yeah exactly. But then I take notes about like when when the show ends and when the uh, after dark begins and all of that. But then I still have to actually go in and edit the audio and do and do you know put in all the sound effects and you know all the wacky sound effects wow. we use. Ding <laughs> ding. Uh, so oh, come, yeah. on, come in. Morning zoo. <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> we just turned into best Theater in show fire. here. It just, <laughs> Oh. Um, <laughs> and, and that takes some time, but, uh, but yeah, so that, but there's no, there's no excuse. There's no excuse, Ben. No. Well, I, I, we talked, when was this that we talked about it? We talked about the Foley. We just did the Foley again. Yes. Maybe last time we did it. Um, Which, you know, what, you know, my yeah. goal, my, my goalie is, uh, his last name is Ian. His last name is Foley. <laughs> I thought you were going to say your, your goalie's last name is Foley. It is. It is. My goalie's last name is Foley. Goal, oh my God. Yeah. Ian Foley. Uh, right, right. Like, uh, there's nothing to be said on that, other than uh, what a great, what a great name. Um, hey, fantastic name. It is. It and is. Speak, speaking of speaking of uh, audio sound effects, can you hear that? I can. Is that Brett Michaels or no. Gi- or Gibbs as he's known? Gibbs as he's known. Gibbs as he's known. Um, I'm. Uh, yeah, we. I love the sound effects. I'm in. I'm in my not my home office. I've been doing. I don't think I've done a podcast in, at home in a long time. I've been. Like I don't know why I just plan to do it where I am on campus now. Yeah, well, I I would have I would have done it um, if we had recorded on schedule on Thursday. Right. I would have been on campus, but actually, and ended up you had asked to reschedule because I this is really fascinating for people. I know they all want yeah. to hear about our lives and and our busy scheduling of our podcast. But um, but yeah, I, it actually that would have been a horrible day for me because I would have had to drag the equipment into work and then I would have had to stay late at work. And so it worked out honestly worked out for the best to record at home this morning, except that this could have been time I would have been productively writing and doing like other things but that's okay that's all right it, this uh, you know I, it's this is this is so much so much fun as we uh as i often share with people and and as i as i shared uh, uh we're in narragansett rhode island where we just were well i and it was lovely our our time at the seaside our time resort. together <laughs> our time together on the romantic uh, roll of the ocean um outside the windows uh in my my i i 
So we should, you know, we're we're talking uh, we're talking inside baseball a little bit. So so Don and I uh, just attended a meeting um, together uh, in, as he said, in Narragansett, Rhode Island, and it was a, a project that we're both on a multi-state project, uh, which I don't know the history of all these things, and you might know what this means, but but we there are. Um, uh, research dollars that go to land-grant universities that are termed hatch funds, and this project is a hatch fund-supported uh, multi-state project that, for me, meets all the requirements of my hatch reporting and and, and something else, uh, uh, planning. But but all that like nonsense. Um, it was uh, it, it was kind of a a lovely a lovely meeting, and I'm not I'm not a meetings guy. Um, but it was a small group of us, what, like 20, 25? And we, I, we don't often get all the food safety nerds together that are at universities and talk about stuff that's going on. Like, you know, we, we see each other at scientific meetings or maybe two or three of us will be on a program together. Or we might be on a smaller project. This was – it was more – it was unique for me. I'd not sort of sat together for a couple of days with all the people that are doing similar things. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because uh, we often go to meetings actually this this uh, next week. I'm going to. Well, yeah, this this week and next week, I'm going to be at meetings that have industry people. And um, like this week, I'm going to. Yeah, I'm going to a meeting that's going to have mostly industry people um, and some consumer groups. And then next week, I'm going to a meeting that's going to be industry with a few academics. um, And then uh, and then later on, another group that's mostly industry people. And then, you know, there are meetings we go to that are mostly government government people. But this one is was really unique in that it was a chance for just academics to sit together. And it struck me as we sat there that there aren't that many meetings that are ju- at least that uh, that you and I get involved with because of our extension mission that are that are just other academics. Absolutely. That was yeah, that that was the um the unique part of it and it was I, I guess it's like the um like the caucuses in in Congress, you know? Did I say that right? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Do we need to put a, 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 put a some sort of a, a special rating on yeah. this podcast? No, it's like you know, it's like the the friend. It's it's your friendly group. Like you're all kind of dealing with the same thing. We're not. Um, I, you know, I've, I felt like it was much more candid and laid back, and there was a lot more sharing of information than than if we were all. You know, I don't know. It was different. It was it was a different type of dynamic, and I enjoyed it. Um, you and I got to, to teach a, a workshop to some of our peers around risk analysis, which was also really enjoyable because it was a small group and people were there with like to learn. I don't know exactly why they were there to learn, but they were, it seemed like they were there not to do, you know, a risk assessment and come up with a risk management plan on behalf of a company or an organization or as a regulator, but they were there to learn the the academic side of what risk analysis is all about, which is also kind of fun. Like it was, I, I enjoyed, I don't, I don't, I'm getting to the point where I don't like to travel. I enjoyed being away. Um, but sorry, I didn't mm. enjoy being away. I enjoyed being with you all. Mm, mm-hmm. you, know, you know what I mean? Like I don't, I'm. Yes. Traveling is a drag. Being away from your family is a drag, but it's fun to hang out with people, like-minded people that do what you do, right? And that care about the same things that you care about. And yeah, it was a fantastic experience. I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe as many, <laughs> shouldn't really say this. I couldn't believe that as many people signed up as did for that workshop, but man, what a fantastic time. Yeah. And I, and I got the sense that people got something out of it and it, I, you know, you've, you've taught 
risk assessment, you know, you shared that that you had been doing using the slides that that you used uh, in an expanded version with some work that you've been doing in, in Brazil for um, scientists without borders or scientists under the border. Mm-hmm. Over, but um, uh, but I'd not put together sort of an academic workshop on here's here's risk communication, how it fits into communicating with risk managers. So it was even, you know, that portion of things, uh, doing new stuff, coming up with some new material, you know, there's, there's no shortage of stories or examples that I can use, but, but being able to frame it in a way that was different for this different type of audience and, and knowing that it was going to be like, you know, people that, that, that are going to not, they're not afraid to ask questions. And I kind of know what they do every day to understand where those questions are coming from. I, I liked, creating that new material, a new way of presenting it, I guess. Um, yeah, it was it was good. I, and it wasn't... Here's what I do now, Don. When I travel, I gauge things on my way home um, hmm. about whether it was a waste of time or not. Like, and, and what, what degrees of waste of time or whether what I got out of it. So, there, you know, and I'll give you an, um, an example. You know, if I... It, I, I enjoy... I enjoy traveling... To, to give talks and it's this you know this is the the real uh, you know personal uh, side of the the food safety talk world I, I mean I like I like spending an hour talking about the stuff that I'm interested in and that that people seem to listen like I get a I get a rush from that I get a it's a thrill right like the things that I'm interested in someone else is interested they've asked me to talk about it that's that I enjoy that doing it four or five times in a month with the same material is a drag yes. And and yes. so and in and, and there's you know so the payoff of that one hour there's all the other stuff that goes into it like I'm not sleeping in my own bed and I'm not sleeping well and I uh, you know right now I'm in a pretty like regimented fitness eating regime and a regimented regime mm-hmm. um, and uh, and once I once I travel it's it's stressful because I'm not able to control what I'm doing as much mm-hmm. and and all that kind of stuff. And then I'm, you know, like I said, I, or like you mentioned, I'm away from my kids, and and I know when I go home that I haven't been there. So there's this added stress of making sure that I catch up on the things that I wasn't doing when I wasn't there. All, I mean, all this stuff plays into it, and um, and so I sit in the in the airport or on the flight um, on the way home, and I weigh like, well, what did I get out of it? What did someone else get out of it? Where where does this you know fit in? And it helps me make decisions on whether I will say yes to stuff in the future or what, you know, that kind of stuff. And so wow. that's a, that's a very, that's a very, that's a very mature process. I, I, you know, I have, I have, I, I should do that. I should start doing that. I don't know if it works. I still instead of, say yes. Instead of my, my half-assed thing, which is if someone asks me to do something and it seems like a good idea and my calendar is free, I say, yeah, sure, I'll go do that. Right. Well, but then, I, but then you end up getting uh, overscheduled. And I still haven't gotten to the point where I'm making decisions based on it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm having this, this reflective time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but I still, in the same way, like I get caught into the trap, not trap, but I like, you know, three months from now, and this is the problem with scheduling, right? Like it's really easy to say yes to going to, um, I don't know, Bloomington, Illinois mm-hmm. in, 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 you know, next, next February mm. now. Cause it's like, oh yeah, I have nothing on my calendar. That would be, I, you know, by that time. If I did nothing else in between now and then, I would be. It would be a nice little break to drive, you know, to fly to Chicago and drive to Bloomington, Illinois, and give an hour. Except, talk. except that it's February, so at least right. I've learned. It's like, well, 
February. Right, 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 right. <laughs> right. Imagine, imagine it's February and imagine you're getting off the plane and it's like, oh, yeah, I, I don't think so. No, I'm, I think I'm, I might be busy uh, being warm that week. Right. And no, no offense to the Illinois listeners. Uh, <laughs> right, we right. Just, hey. We just don't like, I don't like yeah. the winter. Yeah. Uh, but, but all that stuff, like it kind of goes out the window because it's scheduled so far in advance and like, I'm not going to, um, I like to say yes to things. And I also, I mean, this is the, the other piece for me and you, I think you, you and I are the same in this sense. We have a lot of friends, like people that were, um, you know, they're not just like work colleagues. Like we know personal things about them and we spend time at these meetings and we go have a drink and we talk about their lives. And when someone who I know like that asks me to do something, like I don't see it as, well, this is a professional thing. It's like a favor. They're obviously asking me because they think it's, you know, they think it's a good idea. And I don't want to say no to someone who's asking me a favor who I am. I feel like I'm close to or something. Right. So, so all that goes into, into this, you know, stuff. And so this is my preamble into at the end of, you know, when I was flying home and, um, you know, sitting on the plane, I was like, you know, that was a different experience in my 15 years and being in food safety. I've never really had that. Let's get a bunch of people together that all do similar stuff without, outside influences and that was good like i mean that was that that's not a that wasn't a waste of time <laughs> right that's how i measure things now is it yeah, a waste no of time? well yeah and well and there's degrees of time it's like well that wasn't that was a little bit of a waste of time but it was tolerable because you know it was an easy trip or boy that was a huge waste of time because it was really hard to get there and then i had a terrible time and the wi-fi was slow and i couldn't i didn't have time to work out and right, boy, right. that food was really crappy and it's just like yeah, and you just don't want to have too many too many like that because it's it's a drag. True. And and you and you can't I guess what I'm not good at yet is predicting that what mm. that is going to feel like afterwards. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm still, you know, and and I'm it, it's funny things get canceled. You probably have the same thing where you have this plan, you're going to do something and then you there there're so many things that you're going to do and you have other things that you're trying to write and get out. And then all of a sudden, something gets canceled, and two days free up, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, this is this is the greatest day ever! I'm now on vacation because now I don't have to go do this thing, which wouldn't have been horrible, but it's there was just too much there." Well, and and here's the thing: it's like you know, it's like it, any 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 tenured academic, you've got tenure. You you right. can pretty much unless you're an administrator, you can pretty much set your own schedule. It's like why, especially for somebody like you or me, where we don't have a teaching commitment. You know, it's like my God, why 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 do I let myself get over scheduled? It's you know, it's really, it's we're we're in control of our own schedule, right? So it's yeah. just like why why do you let yourself? Why do I let myself get over scheduled? It's well, again, I think it, like you said, it's one of those things where you don't. Um, you don't want to disappoint people or you kind of think, well, yeah, at the time that sounds like fun. And then you get closer and you think, man, that was just a really bad idea. Why did I think that was going right. to be fun? That was horrible. <laughs> and, yeah. And, or, or, and it's, it sounds like, I mean, no one's going to invite us to give talks after, after they listen to this, but, it's, <laughs> but, but the thing is, I also feel, and this is the, the philosophical altruistic side of things, not altru- whatever, it's not the right word, but, um, Part of the fact that the you know the public's you know public pays for my salary, it, it's just like writing papers. Where if we do the work or if we have some knowledge, I do feel like it's it's part of our duty. If someone asks for us to come do it, to go do it. 
right? Like, right. Like, like there's there, and, and it's not, it's, it's beyond the, that, that academic side of things where, and especially with, you know, it's not like I get invited to go talk to groups that I don't enjoy being around. Like, I mean, I, I, I spent a lot of time over the last couple of years, I've really in it, been more integrated into environmental health specialists. And, and you know, I've, I read about that on Barf Blog, and, you know, I've talked about it a lot. And actually, I have some questions for you about environmental health as we go on today. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, you know, the, these are these are the folks that that are doing, for lack of a better term, the real grunt work on the front lines with restaurant operators every day in cities and towns across, you know, North America or the world. And, and I, I just, I mean, I, I love being around them. They have the greatest stories. They're also so engaged in the world of food safety that if, if you know, the, um, you know, New Mexico Environmental Health Association calls up and said, we'd love to hear about barf blog and stories, I'm going to make every effort to, to, to do it. Like, and even though I might do three or four of them that are really similar, I just, I don't know. I like... And again, this is the the selfish side of it. The phil- the philosophical part is, yeah, I need to do it because the you know folks pay you know the the state pays my you know my my salary and 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 I need to share this information. Whatever we have and being able to pull these things together is great. But also, it's it's this kind of like nice rush of hey, these these folks are interested in the stuff that I do, and I like that. I like that like there's a feeling that's associated with that that is hard to get in other areas of your life. <laughs> yeah, and and there's certain like opportunities, things that I'm asked to do where it's like, oh my gosh, I really want to say yes to that. And then you have to ask yourself, well, okay, so what else have I said yes to that's not as good as that? And or if I say yes to this, then what are even more interesting opportunities that I won't? And so again, it's, it's all about... It's all about managing your time and, and managing people's expectations. You don't want to say no to friends and colleagues, but at the same time, if you say yes to everyone, you're worthless because then you're just you're stressed out all the time and you're not getting anything done. You're just running from one thing to the next. So yeah, and I, I, I still haven't figured it out yet. And I do better. I do better at certain times than others. And right now, I'm I'm not doing so great because I just you know I just got overwhelmed. I overcommitted, and now I've just got to work my I guess got to work my that all of that work off. And I really you know really try to not not commit to too many more things. At least not too many more things in the very near future because actually I just can't. You know yeah, I'm just, yeah, right. I'm just booked you, you, up. Do you get do you get paralysis on work? This is this is what happens to me when I get to that overwhelmed state. I don't I just like shut down. All I want to do is like play video games, watch Netflix and watch football. Oh, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> except except it's not video games and yeah, it's whatever. Not football, but yeah. yeah, but but well or it, or it's it's a stupid SimCity on my yeah. on my iPad or you know, I can go in and yeah, it's like you just sort of surf through your email, you pick off the easy ones, you delete the spam and it's like, yeah, I'm just going to leave the hard ones for later and it's like that's I'll just get, really a bad idea, right? Yeah, I'll get yeah, to that. Absolutely. I'll, I know it's there. I'll get I'll get to it. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not pressing. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's a funny, it's a funny situation. It's, you know, when, when we had Merlin, when you, when you brought Merlin to, um, to Portland and, mm-hmm. you know, he talked about, you know, multiple inboxes, mm. that's the, that, that, you know, my, that worry that the, I mean, everything that we're talking about, I think is, is where, where he was going with, with his discussion that yep. is constantly weighing on, on my mind. And there's, you know, there's only, it, it just, it, it seems like the way to get out of it is to be better, to be a better predictor of how much time things take 
and to be a better predictor of what your feeling is around the thing that you're saying yes to doing. And that, so that's what I'm trying to do when I'm sitting on these planes. I'm like, okay, let's weigh this mm. in a systematic way. Did I, did I get something out of it? Did I not? What, you know, what, if I, if the same opportunity came up again, what do I, what do I do? Right. Would I, yeah, would I do it? How, what, what constraints would I put on it? Would, would I maybe suggest, and this is the trap that I get into. If I can't make it happen on the date that they ask for, I'll always say something like, well, when's your next meeting? You know, like, mm-hmm. and, and right. then, but then I get in the trap of maybe when your next, when's your next meeting isn't really what I wanted to say. My, what I wanted to say was maybe someone else would be better suited for this. <laughs> right. Well, and, and, and that's the, that's the, that, that's the trick. Unfortunately, that worked for me for a while, but now I don't, I don't even get those things that I'm not suited for. And everything that comes <laughs> my way sounds like really fun, interesting, and I'm suited for. And then, it's like okay, well, I, I have to get a, I have to have a new gating strategy to keep out unwanted things, and ultimately, at the end of the day, it just requires me to be a grown up and say no to stuff, which is really hard to do. So yeah, yeah, yeah I should you know, and and speaking of speaking of. Mr. Man, um, uh, I just was, no- I noticed uh, that his uh, uh, presentation looks like it is posted on the IAFP website. Awesome. So that's fantastic. So yeah, I need, I need to go listen to that, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to go listen to it again um, as well. Um, that's, that's really good. Um, hey, so another thing that we did last week that you and I did, I want to mm. give a shout out to the, mm-hmm. to the people. Oh, yes. um, on this, you, I I dragged you and our friend Callie Neal to a concert uh, in in Boston. Turns out Cambridge, where I thought it was in just somewhere in Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's actually Cambridge, Massachusetts is in the heart, the very center. If you were to if Boston was a large circle, it is the target center of Boston. Indeed, uh, other people knew that, like you. Um, well, well, you know, and, and the, 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 the setup was, well, I want to go to a concert. It's not, it's not that far. It's only X number of miles. miles. Was, it's, it's yeah. out, it's outside of Boston. Near Boston. And it's, and it's Near. just like, okay, so it's not miles. It's not miles, Ben. It's hours. How long does it take to get there? And that is not outside of Boston. That is right in the goddamn middle of Boston. Oh gosh, anyway, it was, it was, awesome. it was a, it was a delightful time. Um, I, I think, yeah. And, and it, uh, in the end, it was fantastic and it was great to spend time with Callie and it was great to go to this concert and, and again, tell, please tell the, our listeners about yeah. the good lovelies. They should run out and buy all of their music. Um, really just a fantastic, fun experience. And, uh, I'm glad that you dragged me there. Good. I'm glad you, I, there's, there's pressure. So yeah, we, this concert was a, a group called the, the good lovelies. Um, um, one of my friends from from growing up, uh, Cario is is one of the is is one of the primaries. There's three three lovelies, three good lovelies. She's one of the three, um, along with uh, Caroline Brooks and Sue Passmore, and uh, they sing delightful um, folk jazz music that that has a, a very like nostalgic retro feel a call to the to the to the the 50s and 60s maybe even earlier um harmonies and uh, and they're they're just they're just fantastic and and i've i've followed them for for a long time because i've you know because because carrie's my friend and and i remember um maybe six or seven years ago they released an ep that um that was available on you know on their website to download 
And, you know, I was friends on Facebook with her. And you know, you think about, oh, yeah, someone, they, they've got this music. I'm going to listen to it. And at the end of listening to the five songs that were on the EP, I was like, oh, my gosh, they're, like, amazing. They're This isn't just someone at an open mic. This is, right. like, a full-out band that they are professionals. And then I was hooked. Um, and so, so yeah, I, 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 I have this habit. This is the other thing that I do with – and it plays into the earlier conversation. When we go places – I often look to see what else is going on in that area. You know, I, I used to travel when we traveled around a lot. I used to do like sightseeing um, and you know do the, take in the sights um, in the in the local area. Now I'm I'm more into if if there's a band there or if there's some other like scene that I should go check out because that's what the locals do. Um, as opposed to the touristy stuff, that's what I'm all, all about. So, so I've seen concerts in a few other cities when, when I've given talks or gone to meetings, and this came up. And, and yeah, I, I said, oh, it's, it's pretty close. It's only, it's only like 70 miles away. Well, I'll rent a car and I'll, we'll go. But 70 miles was two and a half hours of driving. Uh, but we did see them in this place called Club Passim, and it um, is right next to uh, Harvard, and it was in a basement, and it was such a, like, such a cool kind of room um maybe i don't know 100 seats or so and and it was a restaurant and we had really good food and uh and then the good lovelies played and and they they played um we didn't get there at the start and they ended and but then um but it was fantastic and i hooked you and cali uh into into my my new my new favorite group yes absolutely but thanks because i did i mean there was a point in time where um where our good friend michelle danilak was going to come with us but she had some responsibilities and then don said that uh told me that he was feeling very tired because of all the other things that we just talked about on being overwhelmed with work um but i i roped him and callie into coming with me uh to the to the concert and it was it was awesome it was it, it was another one of those experiences where i will you know I, I will look back on it, and it wasn't just us uh, hanging out at another faceless, nameless restaurant, uh, you know, drinking local IPAs. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Which is what I do for the most part. Um, so anyway, thanks for for coming uh, with me. I I really like I, I, I that, so oh anyway, what I was gonna say was there was pressure because I I convinced you to come along. I did feel like oh this better be good. They won't. They better not disappoint right. because right. there was there was a lot of buildup on this. Exactly. And you were trusting me, so I was happy with that. Uh, so we got the good lovelies. We got through um, what's going on with being overwhelmed and all those types of things. Oh, and just one more thing before we leave the, the discussion of the Narragansett meeting. I just want to say, you know, I was really – I think I was probably the second oldest person in the meeting, right? Because yeah. Buchanan, Buchanan is older than me. And I'm just – really encouraged by the future of food safety in academia because man what a fantastic bunch of young people right i mean and i you know i i know what you're doing i know what michelle is doing and i i sort of keep up with what callie is doing but the but again assistant and associate professors out there wow what a fantastic group people doing really interesting well maybe the ladies from new mexico are like the same age as as bob and i but and and you know warbo he's kind of getting up he's, there warbo's old he looks young. He's got. He, I wish. I wish he listened so we could uh, we could mercilessly uh, rag on him. But uh, um, but 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 yeah. But but I mean, uh, just what a fantastic young bunch of like really dynamic people. I am not worried about the future of academic food safety because it's in good hands, right? I mean, the people that came to this meeting, fantastic. 
It's yeah. I, I'm glad you brought that up because it was one of the things that you and Kelly and I talked about sort of briefly in, in the car as we were driving to the middle of Boston. Um, I, you know, over the last six or seven years, and I've always you know been one of the sort of younger folks at, at these meetings, which is always great. Like, I mean, that's I, I like that. I enjoy I enjoy finding mentors that are. Um, more experience that have been through things, and I'm just like hanging out and being like, okay, let me throw this at you. And now there's, I'm like in the middle of the pack here. Right. There's a there's a ton of you know much much younger, much more focused and um, uh, you know great researchers and faculty members that are doing really cool stuff and and are very passionate and want to you know want to share how they're approaching things and want to collaborate and and it's and it's cool because now i'm like on the other side like oh hey what do you think about this i'm like i don't know ask the old people um (laughs) and like why are you asking why are you asking me and then i realize i'm like oh wait a second i'm i'm in this like next tier of i've been around for a while now um but it was it, it was very heartening to to have so many potential collaborators and and people that you know you can call i mean that was the thing that that was great about this meeting was i've met i've not met a couple of the or a bunch of the people before but but i've talked on the phone or i've seen their names um you know uh dennis d'amico you and i had talked on a podcast maybe 18 months ago about um uh, um artisanal cheeses and aging them on wood and and i i had called Dennis and had emailed him because he's in that world. But then, you know, we got to hang out for a couple of days and I know more about him and the things he was doing. Um, uh, Kristen Gibson's another individual who Renee and I worked together, Renee Boyer and I worked together on a farmer's market project and she has a parallel project and we had not met before and, and got to spend a little bit of time. And, and it's, yeah, it was, it was cool for expanding those networks and just knowing who to, who to call in these States when something comes up. Um, and and that was the, I, I thought that was really valuable. I mean, it was I I, I can't talk enough about um, how you know the degree of wa- of wasted time was very low. Right, right. You felt like the whole time it was uh, you were you were getting something out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of getting something out of it, Don, this is a segue. I'd like mm. to tell you about my friends uh, at the State Fair. <laughs> podcast <laughs> is sponsored by North Carolina State Fair. No. I, <laughs> <laughs> um, that was a, it was a setup. That was an homage to to our other podcasters who tell you about things. Yes, have sponsors. Um, so <laughs> by the way, if anyone would like to sponsor the podcast, please let us yeah. know. and we could. In fact, we'll do just that. Oh, Don, I'd like to tell you something about our friends at uh, Mailchimp or um, Stamps dot com. Uh, um, so 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 here's here's something. Squarespace. Squarespace. We we use Squarespace. We do use Squarespace and Mail. I use Mailchimp too. Well, I do too. Yeah. Um, and Backblaze, oh gosh, uh, PDF Pen, oh, I, all the great, all, all the great the, sponsors, all the all the sponsors. I have, um, I, I've shared this a little bit. We talked a little bit about preservation, but I'm going to give you the full the full Monty story on home food preservation in the State Fair here. Oh yeah, because I mean I've I've heard the story, but but yeah. our listeners have not. So they, yes, this is a good story. Uh, settle in, kids. Yeah, uh, yeah. Here, Uncle Ben has a good one for I got, you. I got a good one. I got a good one. So when I when I started um, here, it goes back. It goes back. I'm going to start right at the, at the beginning, where, as you do in in stories. Um, so when I when I started uh, here at NC State, and actually probably even before when I was doing my interview, um, someone asked me during the interviewing process about home food preservation in canning. 
Um, and there's a lot of history in our state uh, around home food preservation and extension, as there are in, in many states. Uh, but our, our uh, 4-H program and our family and consumer science program back over 100 years ago um, both um, focused on preserving food as, as a way to, to, to bridge, to really to, to promote extension, but also to, to bridge the university expertise to, to the peoples in the counties of North Carolina. And again, it's like every, every state's got a, you know, a similar kind of story, so it's not all that, all that unique, but it's very much a, a special part of, uh, you know, of, what we, of what we do. Now, the, the, uh, the unique part is I, I, I am, because we're situated in, in Raleigh, not in a college town, and because Raleigh is the, um, the spot where our state fair is, for the last, that was me, I don't know, even know how many years, but I know at least for the last 40 years, um, specialists in my department or in the family and consumer science program have been the, um, the, superintendent of judges or the head of the competition for the home food preservation competition at the state fair, which in North Carolina is kind of a big deal. And I, I mean, again, I don't know comparatively what it looks like at other state fairs, but we, in our, in our competition that I'm now the superintendent for, we'll have somewhere in between 700 and 800 participants who will produce somewhere in between 1100 and 1200 products that will be um, judged. So you know, a little over, uh, a little, little, uh, little over one, one, you know, thing per person. Some people will enter fifteen categories. Some will enter one. Some will enter five. Whatever, four or five, whatever it takes. Um, so, so when I when I came here, um, and we we just you know during this interview they discussed about what my understanding, you know, what, what's my background in canning, and I was I was really like honest and open and transparent, and, and sort of said I don't I don't know a whole lot about it. I know about the science of canning. Um, but I, you know, as, as far as a safety aspect and, and communication, it's not something that I've really focused on, but I'd be happy to, to do it. And I, and I have, I've embraced it. I spent a bunch of time the first couple of years that I was here, um, learning how to can, bought a bunch of equipment, um, jumped right in and I, I enjoy it. And it's, and it's uh, fits in with a lot of the stuff that I like to do, which is what's the niche areas, you know, like canning, there, there are maybe 15 or 20 of us across the U.S. that do home canning, food, sa- food safety, food science kind of stuff. And I like that. I like it's a small group. So, so I jumped in and um, canned a bunch of tomato products and made pickles and made jams. And um, I've not canned um, – oh, and green beans. I mean, you know, low-acid foods. I've never canned meat because I think it's gross, but I know people do. And, and I, you know, so I'd try to learn as much as possible because I was handed this, you know, you're in charge of the, the uh, preservation um, com- competition. And, and so how that competition works for us is people bring in food and we have, um, and we'll link to this in show notes. I just put it into the Dropbox for you, Don. We have a, a, a list of rules um, on home food preservation and um, we judge uh, as a group these individual um uh, products, uh, two judges per category, and they may go through um, eight or ten different categories, maybe more, depending on what how many uh, you know participants we have, and they uh, follow different criteria for judging. And and so there are things like um, the size and shape of uh, of uh, chunks in a in a relish, the texture 
of it as they open it up? Is it is it firm? Is it soft? The color, the proportion of pickled the liquid, how well the jar is filled, the processing time. And one of the things that we have that's kind of unique in our state is flavor. So in many small, as I've learned more about this, in many small uh, county fairs or town fairs, uh, tasting pickles and tasting products is much more common. In state fairs, there's only about five or ten state fairs that, right, five right now that we can sort of verify, but ten that have done tasting in the last couple of years uh, that, that allow taste. And really it's for a safety reason uh, or safety reasons that um, these are home processed products and if uh, it's not someone who's a professional – and if they were to make mistakes, then the judges might be exposed to, to some, you know, some safety issues. And so I, we, I, that, that process, and I've talked talk to you about it, um, that process of tasting has made me increasingly nervous as I'm the person who's kind of in charge. And I don't really want to be in charge, but it's, it's here. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, um, I, you know, I, I, a couple of years ago, uh, we talked about well, what can we do to increase the safety or know a little bit more about the product. So we started taking um, pH readings of certain foods. And this actually came out of something that you and I talked about, um, uh, an outbreak that happened, or it wasn't an outbreak, an incident with one illness that happened in, in British Columbia around um, watermelon jelly. And we have a watermelon jelly um, category, or we have you know, fruit jelly category. And I was like, you know what? I am, I don't really want people tasting this before we check the pH. So we took that product out and took a few other pepper jellies out, things that require some acidification, and st- checked the pH. And a couple of them did not meet um, what we'd want to see, you know, pH-wise. I mean, they were close to five. Um, and so we, you know, eliminated them and sent a message to the people and said, look, you know, your product is maybe not safe from a, from a botulism standpoint. Um, and then, um, we spent more time last year on this and thought, oh, well, we have all these products. Let's take some more, um, pH readings and let's look at different types of products. And we went around, um, and I just, uh, we can link to this in show notes too, but, um, I just put the spreadsheet in the podcast uh, Dropbox for you. Um, we we checked a bunch of different products, somewhat randomly, somewhat purposefully, um, and and found a few other items. Sweet potato butter, in fact, was one uh, product where um, we had, and pumpkin butter, where we had you know four point eight eight, five point two one as you know pH issues. And so we actually eliminated, because of that, we eliminated those two categories this year. We're not even allowing people to do it because we weren't, you know, we're not seeing good acidification with the ones that we looked at. Um, But the scary part, and this is, so as Don said, settle in for the, for the story. The scariest part was that last year we also had one of our judges uh, consume um, as part of the tasting uh, pickled peach and that pickled peach had um, had a bunch of onions and um, some shredded carrots also in it uh, as part of the you know flavor for the pickling brine. And the the judge, all the judges that we use are all food science, nutrition people. They're all like professional food people. And um, uh, the individual who tasted this pickled peach uh, immediately sort of flagged me down and said, "I don't think this is pickled. I, you know, I, I taste maybe a little bit of a." of a vinegar, but based on all the other things that I've been tasting today, there's, it, it is not very acidic. 
And so we um, got our blenders out and got the pH meter out and checked it. Uh, and, and she'd already eaten it, so that's that's the fun part of this. Um, and, uh, and you know, lo and behold, the pH of the product was uh, six point one. Um, and and I said to to the individual, I was like, I don't you know, I don't know what else to tell you other than yeah, you're you were right. Um, it wasn't acidified enough. It was uh, there there was a bunch of stuff in there that um, could you know that, that it's low acid and um, and and let's let's hope. And because that's all you can kind of do with that situation, uh, let's hope for over the next couple of days that you don't develop any symptoms. But let's keep your eyes on it. And, and I don't. I mean, that that was a not a very fun conversation um, to have because I, you know it's not like we could do anything proactively um, on it. And, and fortunately, um, you know, maybe we were a little overblown on it. But fortunately, it didn't. Nothing. Nothing happened. But at that point, I kind of made a decision um, to go back to the fair after the competition was over and say, look, we really need to change the rules here. I'm not comfortable with these judges who I ask, who are people from my field that I'm kind of like, they're lending their time. I'm not comfortable asking them to taste things. And, and we've got increasingly problems with, you know, with pH with, of, of a few products and not people not following tested recipes. We've, we've probably disqualified somewhere around 25 or 30 jams over the last couple of years. You know, low, low risk foods, but still require some processing for spoilage, but we've disqualified them because they're moldy. So there's not, you know, people aren't following tested science-based um, practices for, for canning. And so we arrived at a, a set of rules um, that we instituted this year for the, for the fair. And those set of rules include requiring entrants to follow um, uh, the recipes and recommendations associated with those recipes in three um, from three sources that, that I'm confident uh, have some science and data behind it. And so those three sources are um, So Easy to Preserve, which is run, uh, which is a publication put out by our good friends at the University of Georgia, Elizabeth Andrus and Judy Harrison. They run the National Center for Home Food Preservation. Um, there's a, a, a canning guide, USDA Guide to Home Canning, uh, which also has been reviewed and vetted by um, the National Center, and then the Ball Blue Book, which is kind of this older book that's been around for a long time. You can get it at Walmart. I mean, anywhere there's canning supplies, it's a cheap, cheap book. But the Ball Blue Book, which is different from all the Ball recipes, Ball Company is a, a company that owns um, canning supplies and jars, and they own all the Mason jar line. Um, so they they have a you know a set of tested recipes in this in this Blue Book. And, and so kind of said, okay, if you're going to enter the competition, we're going to do this in a science-based way, and you're going to follow these, these recipes. Now, in the, each of these documents or in each of these recipes, there is a, there's an ability for someone to add some creativity. So, so, for instance, if I'm making taco sauce, if I'm making salsa, there's a base recipe in there that says here are the ratios of high acid, low acid foods and acids that I need to follow. But if I want to add... It says here that I can, you know, uh, that it, that I should add, a, a, you know, a tablespoon of chili powder for, um, you know, one batch of these tomatoes. Well, if I add two tablespoons of chili powder and some onion powder, you know, dried spices, um, salts, things like that, that's not that that'll definitely change the flavor profile or could change the flavor profile. It doesn't affect the safety um, aspects for it. And so the documents go through that. You know, here's where it's okay to do this stuff, and here's where it's not. Um, 
so so anyway, we we required people to include a recipe, you know, require them to follow the safe processing times, uh, and then you know, f you know, fully disclose what that recipe is. And then today, actually, like this afternoon, um, I've got seven students. We go over to the um, to the fair. We're all set to look at all these recipes and match them up to make sure that everyone's following what they say they're doing. And then we're gonna probably take pH readings of maybe 200 products today. So that's the background. This has pissed some people off. And, and Don's been privy to the, this uh, discussion. So there's an individual um, who, who has been, who's become really irate over this, this whole process. And, and Don and I, you know, we've, we've talked about it. I want to hear your, your take and, and talk this a little more. We both believe this individual's got a point, you know, that we're, we've changed the, the rules um, and we're trying to protect the, the judges, but his, he's, he's raised some questions about whether we're really changing the entire competition because we're asking, you know, 20 people in a category like strawberry jam to follow the same recipe. And it takes away from the creativity on how to make strawberry jam. Right. And in this individual has gone so far to, to really like send some pretty nasty emails and has shown up at the fair a couple of times. He's, he's clearly upset um, and not, is, you know, not, not capable at this point of having a rational discussion about why it is that we're, that we're doing things. Um, but it's, I mean, it's, it's really, it's been interesting from, a, you know, managing the fair situation uh, where we've got this, this, this individual who's, who's very upset and it's all over, and I don't want to make light of it too much, but, I mean, it's really over a blue ribbon and, and a $10 competition. But to the point where this guy is like, I hope people don't go ballistic. I will – this is my mission to, to end this, this ridiculous ruling. Um, and even when, when sort of explaining all the stuff that I did that I just explained over, like, 18 minutes of talking um, in, a, in a much shorter, hopefully, to the point email um, – on protecting judges and safety and using safe practices, it was you know clearly not enough um, for for the individual. But it's it's been I mean so that's the that to me that that's what I need to do right. Like I I want I, we're we're balancing this line and it's a risk management situation. We have some some data some historic data on what makes for bad canned items. Um, we, we have an event on this home food preservation competition um, that, that we want to preserve, no pun intended, um, the ability to, um, to taste and preserve the, uh, the nostalgic competition. And we've got to balance that with uh, protecting the, the safety of the judges and doing it in a way where we can – also, it's not just the judges. I mean, I, I would hope that if we find something – um, unsafe, and what we've done is passed information back to the entrance. Uh, if we hope, if we find something that's unsafe, we we hope that people aren't going to consume that product either. Um, and but it's I, I I don't know like I've I've kind of jumped in with two feet as they say in the cliche world to this and not just sort of said okay well we're going to not taste anymore. I I want to I really wanted to make this as sort of an example of how would we do this um, in a in a science based way and and then manage all this like communication. Uh, conflict. It's it's been interesting. It's taken time, but I've but but it's. I mean, I feel like it's the 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 right thing for me to do on it. Right, so, and <clears throat> so thanks as, for that diatribe. Oh no, us. no, it, it was it was fantastic. So um, so here's the thing, right? We we talked about this. We you and I talk about this a lot on the podcast. We talked about it last Monday at the workshop. 
the this is risk assessment, but it's also risk management. And guess what? With risk management comes risk communication. And 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 so and in fact that you use this particular story in the workshop, right? Because yes, there's the science around safe canning, and then there's what you have to do, Ben Chapman, the superintendent of uh, Department W zero one for the. I'm, I just I googled I googled this on the state fair website. Um, uh, that you're in charge of this, right? You are, your job, Ben, is to look out for the safety of the judges, to look out for the safety of the entrants, to look out for the safety of the general public in this regard. And, and ultimately what that means is that you have to decide where to draw the line. You have to make a risk management decision and no amount of information from the USDA guide to home canning, from the ball blue book, or from so easy to preserve is going to tell you what to do, right? right. That, that is going to inform your decision. And then you are ultimately going to have to make a decision and people might disagree with that, uh, such as the person who was, was concerned about the, that, that, that these, that home canners were being treated unfairly by your rules. Well, guess what, Ben, people get upset with rules all the time, right? People get upset with the way USDA FSIS inspects them. They get upset with the way FDA inspects them. Some people think USDA and FDA are not doing enough. Some people think they're doing too much, but that's risk management, right? And then it's up to you as the risk manager in this case to also have an effective risk communication strategy about, well, why why are the rules like this? And what are we going to do about it? And what are we going to do about, about it when people don't follow the rules? What are we going to do about it when we find an entry? Like, I mean, I can't, I can't imagine those frantic couple of days after that woman had tasted yeah. stuff that was not appropriately preserved. She could have got sick from staphylococcus. She could have got sick from Clostridium botulinum. And that would have been on you, essentially, because you did not protect her sufficiently with the rules that you laid out. And then once you were alerted to that situation, you changed the rules. Perfectly reasonable response. Well, and and you know, it's it, it's funny. We um, I go back to a lot of the stuff that, that Doug writes about on, on the blog on this, and it has to do with that um, what he's termed in in some of his writing the the Pinto effect, mm -hmm. uh, I believe, and and I I really you know when, as I weighed this out in in my mind as I'm you know driving to and from campus or whenever I'm thinking about this crap um, on on like managing it, um, I I came into the to this um, competition was sort of placed in charge. And there been there's a lot of history, right? Like there's there's a reason why the rules are the way they are. I assume, right? Like there's some decisions, and that institutional knowledge doesn't really exist anymore because the individual who ran the competition before me had adopted certain things from the their you know her predecessor, uh, and then for a while there was another person who ran it, and and no one like we didn't sort of rock the boat. The the biggest uh, sorry prior to me the biggest boat rocking was the requirement for um, preserving uh, processing times or, or having processing times. And that's happened within the last 20 years because my department head, Carolyn Dunn, was, was part of the group that said, look, we can't have people come to this state fair that we're running and not follow any sort of processing um, time for, for things. So they, they well, you can, but, but, but yeah. that's irresponsible and it's a bad decision, right? So that, that is a decision, but it's not a good one. And, right. and yeah, absolutely. Right, right, right. So, so those, so, so they, so they changed it and then they felt some wrath for a while and then it, it was a transition period or whatever. Um, and then I came into it 
And 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 that I mean what what you kind of said about the individual taste of the stuff in those three days where we're waiting or whatever time it would be before um, you know an illness showed up the the thing that that went through my mind over and over again was I can't just say well this is the way that we've always run the competition like it's really, really you can't you can't just do that right. just like when food companies say well I've we've never had a problem before exactly how, how does that work out yeah well and and that that became the most like. It, 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 it that was it, it, I couldn't hide behind it, um, and it, because that would make everything that I say so hypocritical. Because that is the exact antithesis of how we communicate should communicate things. Is you know, it's not that we followed someone else's rules. It's not that this is the way that it was before I started the competition, and it's always been this way, and we've not had issues. It's so much more of well, what is it? What's the right way to do this? Or maybe not the right way, but what's the more informed science-based way to do it? Well, let's come up with some parameters for it. And so, I, you know, I, I, it, it is, it's more difficult in, for me to walk the walk on this one than to just talk it. But it, I, I don't know. I just felt like it was, it was necessary. And then knowing that it's going to mean, I mean, I've probably fielded, I don't know, 40 questions from competitors about what this means. And in the past six years that I've run this competition, I probably get one or two questions a year. So it's like multiplied the the amount of um, amount of time that it takes to run the competition. But it's the way like I mean, it's it, to me, it's but like this is the way it should be. It's the right it's the right decision. Yeah. You can. And, you know, and one of the things. So so just as a sort of vaguely analogous thing, um, as I mentioned before on the podcast, and as you know, in January, I took over as graduate program director. And guess what? In food science. And guess what? I'm going to uh, maybe not rock the boat right away, but there are going to be changes. And but one of the things that I've learned is text. Oh, and speaking of people that should sponsor the podcast, text expander. Yeah. Wonderful piece of software. Um, turns out a lot of the questions that I get asked as graduate program director are the same questions over and over again. So guess what? The first time I answer it, I save that. And then I create a little, uh, uh, shortcut so that the next time I get asked that same question, I can paste that same information into the email message. Well, I would encourage you to do the same thing. If yes, you have 40 questions, but probably there are variations on a theme to those 40 questions. So write a really good answer and then reuse that every time. Maybe ultimately incorporate that into the competition rules. Right. I mean, this is, but this is, you know, this is knowledge work, right? This is the kind of work that we do where, where we, 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 we get asked these kind of questions and we have to make judgments, right? So anyway, it's, it's gratifying to see that you took this, even you were honest when they interviewed you, like you didn't have knowledge in this, but that you've taken this on and you've, you've made this part of your program and it's, it's influenced your thinking as a scientist. It's influenced your research interests. Um, and it's fantastic. It's a classic example of why, extension works, right? You have, you have a practical problem that needs solving. You put an intelligent person that has the right experience uh, to work on that, and then you stand back and you let them do it. And, well, I, I appreciate that. That's, that's very kind. It's, um, it's been – it's an area that I, I have learned to enjoy. I mean, not, not that I didn't enjoy it. I just didn't – I wasn't exposed to it before. I mean, we just didn't know anything about it. And now – you know, going through this and, and you know, talk, speaking with you and Linda about it a little bit um, and Elizabeth, the you know, just the fact that we have this access to all of these different types of products that, that I'm going to see in, you know, five hours, four hours from now. Um, 
and, and just to, it's they're not it's not random, right? Like it's people the uh, home food preservers are coming to the fair. They're not a it's not a random selection of everyone who's who's um, preserving things. Um, but but for us to get a sense of well, what are the recipes that people are using, what are what's the resulting pH, what what do we know about the products? It, it, it is a a source, an exploratory source of, of data that says, you know what, this could help others make decisions. And, and I'm, I'm okay. Like, that's the thing with this tasting thing is I'm okay with us tasting it as long as we're making a good risk management decision. So these other States that have decided not to, to taste, that's, that's a, a, a a different type of risk management decision, but hopefully what we go through and the you know all the stuff I just I just shared and, and the results of what we do. Maybe that'll make someone, um, in, you know, invest some some more time uh, in, in their rules, and and maybe it opens up the the tasting is as long as it's done in a in a safe way that protects both you know everyone uh, that's involved. And so if we have any impact in that, I mean that that's that that is amazing. Um, but it's it, it's you know. I don't know. Like as a scientist, on you always you go through these things where you're like, you know what? If people should already know about this stuff, like like everything that's that should be discovered about this should have been discovered already. This one's different, where things have changed and we just don't have a lot of data on it. But you know, and I, I mean, I guess that's that's a whole other discussion on on discovery. But this one is it's like we I didn't I didn't even know. I didn't even know what to start with what the products would look like when we started looking at them. And and after talking to other people in my position, um, you know, elsewhere, like at these multi states, no one else really knew either. So it's kind of fun to to be able to contribute something different and discovery wise, like here's a situation, let's go let's go show people what at least what the landscape looks like so we can make better decisions all around. Yeah, and, and just as a related story, this has been interesting to me for a couple of different reasons. One, because right around the same time I think that you were really getting into this, we got approached by an entrepreneur uh, that is making uh, basically uh, low sugar jams and jellies. And so she was taking recipes off the internet, she was modifying them, and she came to us for advice. And of course, my immediate response is, oh, crap, this is this is problematic. And I said, well, you know what? Let me let me step up as an extension person. I had some grad, good graduate students in the lab at the time. I said, look, get, send us your samples. We'll do pH and water activity measurements and we'll, you know, it's not going to be exhaustive or comprehensive, but, but we'll at least, you know, find out how, how risky it is. And then, and then it couples very nicely with some, this to show you again, the way extension programming can work is so this is now going back um, more than ten years. So right around uh, right around uh, two thousand, I was part of an an uh, IFT expert panel on what was then called potentially hazardous foods, and we were charged with revisiting that uh, those criteria. And so it was a, a really interesting group of people. We proposed alternative criteria where you would look not just at uh, foods with a pH of above or below four uh, four point six or water activities above or below zero point eight five, but look at the interaction of those. We 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 requested data. We looked at the published literature. 
And we came up with uh, basically a recommendation that eventually modified the the con- through the Conference for Food Protection modified the food code. And then later on, um, uh, I was on a NACMIF committee that basically looked at challenge studies, how you would do a study to evaluate whether something you know needed to have a challenge study to determine whether it was a potentially hazardous food or as we call them now, a food that required time temperature control for safety. So it turns out because of the, the, that work, I actually had ready access to the documentation where I can I could look at the pH and water activities of what this entrepreneur was doing and I could actually make a, a risk management judgment based on previous risk management documents, i.e. the IFT report and the NACMIF report. And, and again, I, those are things that, again, we t- taking this back to the beginning of the podcast, we talked about, oh my gosh, why would I go to a meeting and do an extra thing for work? It's like, why, why would I want to be part of an IFT expert panel? Why would I want to be, why would I want to be on NACMIF and spend my time writing a report that, that, you know, that, that I'm, I mean, yes, it's sort of my job to be an extension person and do these kind of things, but why would I, why would I go and do extra work? Well, guess what? You do go and do extra work because sometimes you get involved in really cool things and you don't always know. I mean, I kind of suspected being on NACMIF would be a lot of fun. I kind of suspected this would be a good, you know, to be on this IFT panel with these people, but you never know. And yet, lo and behold, it's, it's, it's helped me with this particular problem. The, the NACMIF challenge study stuff has resulted in a, a fantastic uh, teaching opportunity that's occurred again and again with, with Linda Harris and Kathy Glass, where we, we now have a workshop uh, based on that NACMIF document. And it all comes from just like stepping out of your comfort zone and saying, okay, I'm going to go do that, do that one thing. And of course, what we don't know is you never know, like, you know, my God, if you stepped into the state fair thing, it could be, it could have been a huge time waster, but instead you've looked for an opportunity to make it into something interesting. Well, same, same thing with these. And so, yeah, it, it turns out on um, pH and water activity, they're, they're important. And, and guess what? We could have told somebody that 20 years ago, but now we have a, a more nuanced understanding of that. And we, and, and my God, Ben, this, that people are so interested. We'll link to the, uh, we'll link to the, um, uh, Portlandia. You can pickle that oh, video yeah, yeah. because this is a thing that is, it's now a thing, right? With hipsters is, 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 is home food preservation canning. It's a, it's a big thing now. It's, it's a, it's a huge thing. And, and so we, um, uh, you know, not, not to, uh, get too close to the, to our world of let's go get money for things and get people to, um, to sponsor research and exploratory stuff. But, um, there was a, a call for, um, I don't know what it's called. I guess it was called exploratory, uh, for AFRI, the, um, NIFA is what the National Integrated Food National Institutes of Food and Agriculture at USDA. They sponsor a bunch of stuff that sometimes pays for our Don and I to do things. Um, they have a program called AFRI, the Agriculture Food Research Initiative. I think I'm just making these things up now. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, I put in a, a letter of intent to do some work on kimchi and fermented foods. Uh, because you know you can pickle it. There, you know, there's two types of ways of pickling stuff. One is you acidify it. The other way is you ferment it, and you get a pickle at, at the end. Um, and gosh, in my world of retail, uh, I, I've I've probably encountered 30 businesses in in our state in the last two years that are uh, wanting to pickle, you know, re, re, like ferment really really ferment vegetables, not just sauerkraut. Um, in different ways, right in the restaurant to make this, you know, um, 
different type of product that they can't get commercially and all that kind of stuff. And, and gosh, you know, our friend Fred Bright and the at the Pickle Lab here at NC State says there's not a whole lot of data. We don't even know what people are doing. So just to get like, and I, that's why I've kind of tackled that that project, which didn't get funded, but we'll go find something. Um, some fun somewhere else is to get us just a sense of what are the parameters that people are currently using? How long do they ferment stuff for? What types of vegetables do they use? What ratios do they look like? And my sense is all of those questions, when we start asking them at at retail restaurants, they're going to say, well, we don't know. Or, or, and and maybe this is the uh, you know maybe this is another you know another place where where I'll just be wrong. Maybe they'll come back and say, "Gosh, you know, we've done a lot of trial and error in this, and here's the recipe that works the best for us, and these are the ratios. And if we vary from it on you know our salt concentration, um, it's it just doesn't work. And so here you go. This is our trial and error of the product that works really well. Well, but but that's not science based, right? Nope. I mean that, and but you know, guess what? It might be right, but but until you know, and again, this these things, these this is becoming such a popular thing, and I predict eventually someone will do it wrong, and someone will get sick and maybe die, right? Yeah. So we ought to get out in front of this, or at least not be so far behind, but yet. Obviously, you talked about you went after AFRI funding. You didn't get it. Uh, we've been doing trying to do some get to do some work on cross contamination in packing houses because we think that's really important. Has yet to get funded yet. Um, you know, so you just have to keep trying. If you think something's important enough and is worth your studying it, well, you gotta you gotta find some way to go get the funding to do it. And whether you do it on a shoestring. Uh, you know, using a graduate student's, uh, you know, volunteering or, or looking for research experience or, or whatever. It's just, uh, uh, you know, it's just it's the way that we get things done um, in in academia and in extension. Yeah. And, and it'll something will happen. Some like I mean, not something bad will happen, but but someone will will we'll convince somebody, uh, you know, enough that, that this is something that's worth looking at or. Or, or we'll do it without without a lot of money, and 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 that'll be it'll be done. Like, uh, yeah, I'm I'll, I'll keep following down this this road. And it's again, it's like that's a niche. Like, it's it's there are tons of questions about it, and and a, a small group of people are, are asking them. And I you know I just like to be part of the the group that that answers some of those those questions. And and who who would have predicted if you had asked me 25 years ago? How important would an extension program focusing on canning and home food fermentation or food fermentations be? And I would have said, well, gosh, that's kind of old technology. Yeah. What, what's, isn't, there's not really anything left to know about that, is there? Well, guess what? Yeah, in, in this brave new world where people are doing all sorts of wacky stuff, yeah, maybe there is stuff we need to know. And, and, and yeah, maybe there are ways that we can look at this differently. It's not, it's not just about uh, is the pH above or below 4.6? Is the water activity above or below 0.85? Guess what? It, the answer, it's, the, it's truly more, more nuanced than that. And, and it's yeah, the the other thing is, you know, we get into um and, and this this comes down to this risk management de- decisions and and um and a lot of the stuff that that we talked about in an assessment um on well how many people are doing it? What's the prevalence of this? What's the exposure like? And and, and when we look society-wise, yeah, maybe not a lot of people are making kimchi, but if they do it wrong, it, we're going to have a pretty high consequence, right? Like <laughs> it's going to be it's you know, it, it's a it's a botulism risk. And so we, although it's, it's, it's not a, you know, a, a large public health, you know, um, uh, concern population wise, it, it's pretty, it could become pretty important to the individuals that are doing it. And, and it's like, I mean, a lot of the things that, that, that we look at, 
Um, I think it's it's things are getting so much more um, focused. You know, we we know if if we were to put all of our dollars into controlling norovirus, you know, the most prevalent thing, um, it, 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 it's it's not the highest consequence pathogen. It, but they're all, I guess, like just like our children, they're all special and they're all important in their own way. <laughs> yes. yes exactly. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? I don't even know anymore. No. Yes. Yes, I do. And and you're absolutely right. <laughs> That's the right answer all the time. Um, sorry, I was drinking some water. Just some, just just normal, just still water, as I like to call it now. <laughs> Would tap like, water? Yeah, it's tap, it's tap water. Not not artisanal uh, bottled water. No, it's just it's just still. Would you like uh, um, would you like that uh, with bubbles? What do they call that? Uh, so no, not sort of. What do they offer? Bubbly? No. Depends which country you're in. What do they say? I don't. Agua con gas. <laughs> and so the answer is no. No, thank you. Just still. Just, just yeah, still. still or sparkling. Still sparkling, or sparkling. Sparkling. That's the right word. No, I just, I was, we, we had a, we had a really nice uh, Thanksgiving dinner for Canadians last night, and and someone offered me to have a. They I, so, I, I think you mean you mean a Canadian Thanksgiving dinner. Whatever. Not a Thanksgiving dinner for Canadians, because a, a, a Thanksgiving dinner for Canadians would be when you invite Canadians to your house in November in the United States. Fair enough. Fair enough. We we celebrated Canadian Thanksgiving with a bunch of other Canadians. Last yes, night. on the day it's supposed to be in That's October. correct. That's correct. Yes. And, and well and, done. And the, I saw I saw the pictures on Facebook. It looked like you guys had a good time. It was lovely. It was great. Um, and so we have we have these uh, you know relatively new friends uh, who who moved here in the last year, and um, they uh, they offered me they have a soda stream and said, "Would you like uh, sparkling water?" Oh, said, oh, so just no, just still is fine. <laughs> so anyway, I'm drinking my still water, Don. But I have a question for you before we go. I don't know what's your where we go. What your out is? I don't know. I mean, we've been talking for like an hour and ten minutes, haven't we? Yeah, no. It's I that that I I'm, I'm, I want to keep talking, but oh, I no, I'm I'm I don't have any. I don't have a hard out today, as they say. Okay, so here's next topic. Okay, um, I so you know I I like to do retail stuff, and and we and, and there's a bunch of things around posting restaurant grades out mm. there. And and some some of the research says that it matters, and some of it doesn't, and and there's every jurisdiction does it differently, and all this kind of stuff. Blah blah blah. That's the background. Um, what what does it matter to you at all when you're going to a restaurant? What that if if you went to a place where there are inspection scores posted, and and say it's not your let's separate this out. This is not your. My first question is about you are not at, uh, in your home. Uh, in your home territory, you're not in, um, you know, New Brunswick, New Jersey, or um, the town of uh, Freeport, Free Freetown, Freebird, 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 Freelton, New Jersey, and so you're traveling. We're in Rhode Island last week. We go to a restaurant, and there's a grade that's posted there, and it says uh, 94.5. What does my that... favorite radio station? Well, it is. yeah, it's the it's uh, classic rock ninety four five uh, on the on the left side of your dial. What uh, what do you, does you care? Like, does that matter to you? What's your process? What's your risk management process when you oh. see a ninety four point five? Depends how hungry I am. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I hate to say that. It depends how hungry I am. I'm, no, ninety four point five doesn't bother me. Well, I'm okay but, with that. So, what do you think it means, though? So this is the this uh, is the it question. Means that, right? It means that they have a very finely graded scale, and um, they got five point five points off. Um, so 
you know, I, I, honestly, what I would want, and I, I'm quite sure that I w- could not get this. I, what I want is I want to know, okay, where where'd you lose the five point five points? Yeah, right. That's that's what that's I want. What I want. That's what I want to know too. Yeah. That, so what what did you do? It was it, uh, you know, was it roaches in the kitchen? Was it uh, a hot holding violation? Cold holding? You no, know, hair, no hairnets. Uh, no on, on a bald guy. On a bald. We talked about this. We did, yeah. We did. Uh, and yeah. the, and the answer. So I finally did run into our um, sanitarian at the New Jersey affiliate uh, meeting, um, where he said, "Yeah, it's that's not really a concern for me." I said, "Okay, that's good. good. Perfect. Good. Let's move on." Yeah, <laughs> but but it might be regulatory wise, you know, depending oh, yeah. on how, how someone how someone does it. Well, and the, the the comment from my graduate student who who saw the person without the hairnet is like, "What if they have dandruff?" <laughs> That's a very good question. I don't want dandruff in my food. True. Oh, and, oh, and I guess and, and our sanitarian's comment was, well, what if they're sweating? <laughs> right. Like, but, oh, yeah. I, I, and I guess if they, and his thing was, well, if they're sweating, maybe they should wear a bandana. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, risk, risk stuff. Fun. Um, but you, but the, I mean, the, but those are, yeah. but those are discussed issues. Those are probably not food safety issues. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So this is, that, this is where I want to go with, with it. I, I don't. I mean, so in my state, I love I love our system, and I'm not saying that because I'm here. Um, so we we have a grading system. A 94.5 would be um, not a fantastic grade in North Carolina. It's mm-hmm. not that it's a, a very poor grade, but it would be middle of the road. It means that you've lost um, either multiple small infractions or one big foundational risk factor one, um, and. And that's where where these you know, where, where inspections where, where grades kind of break down a little bit is yeah I want to know what that wh- what the criteria was do you lose five points per um, uh, uh, you know a, a risk factor do you lose two points um, do, are there ways for um, companies to gain points back and we had that in our state for a while where um, yes the scale was out of a hundred. But if you had a certified food protection manager on site when the inspection happened, you gained an extra two points. So you were essentially out of 102. But it didn't – I mean if you weren't from here, you wouldn't know that. Um, and, and so I ask you this because we're <clears> – excuse me – because we had um, some local uh, coverage about restaurant inspection and infractions and scores. And then Doug posted something last night about uh, Canberra. In, um, in in Australia, sort of shying away from uh, posting restaurant inspection grades, and we had seen um, uh, you know our, our friends in Dubai, uh, Bobby Krishna and the Dubai municipality, they're just rolling out this whole same kind of process of scores on doors. And so where I kind of come at it is, all of this stuff should be public, but it's still pretty hard to make a decision based on it. Like that's the that that that's the two minute quote that I'd give the Philadelphia Inquirer. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I absolutely would agree. And, and again, it always makes me think of that fantastic paper, which I think is like one that we've talked about so many times on this podcast, uh, Health Department Inspection Criteria, More Likely to be Associated with Outbreak Restaurants in Minnesota by Ruth, uh, Ruth. By, by Ruth Petran, also from Freebird, New Jersey. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and, and just what a, great, what a great paper, right? And, and we need more of that kind of thing and we need to drive the inspe- inspection process. And again, you know, speaking about 
I told you I wanted to talk about what I'm going to be doing this week. So this week I'm going uh, to Washington to be part of this meat and poultry dialogue group that I've been that I've been part of, and which is which is basically consumer groups and industry working together to say, okay, where what can we agree on, and then let's let's uh, let's tell the agency what we can both agree on, and then maybe they should go do that. And and they, again, they all want risk based, science based inspection. You know, we we would love we would love for USDA FSIS to write more. NRs on things that actually affect food safety instead of just like whatever they can ding the company on, right? And so we want we want this, right? And we want, and we want it not just for restaurants. We want it for – well, we want it for what FDA is doing when it inspects uh, food processing establishments. We want it when USDA, FSIS does it. Um, and, you know, we, we want to move to a risk-based – more to a more risk-based, more science-based system. But unfortunately, to do that, we need data, right? right. Um, and so, yeah. So, and I would give you exactly the same soundbite to the to the reporter to say, I'm in favor of it. And uh, but but yeah, I, but I don't. What was the what was the second part of what yeah, you said? Well, I, that it's hard to make a decision. Hard to make on. a decision about. Yeah. Yeah, and because it's the other thing that that came up. So I, I did. You know, I, I mentioned. Actually, this is probably the first time I mentioned on the podcast, but. Um, I, you know, Mike Batts uh, and I came up with this idea a while ago about doing really short podcasts uh, with no editing, and and so I called him up and we talked about oysters. And the second one I did, it's called the Quasi Daily Probe because it's because the Daily Probe is pretty funny, but um, but it's never going to happen daily, and in fact, it's like weekly now. Um, but I did another one with uh, Alyssa Barkley, who's uh, um, our uh, the food safety person, I think she's a chief operating officer at the North Carolina Restaurant Lodging Association, where I talked to her about like what you know as someone who represents the industry, there's you know restaurant inspections and posting grades and, and, and media coverage around restaurant inspections. What do you what's your what's your take on it? What does the industry learn from these things? And how do you work with the industry? And she basically said, um, we we keep track of what's going on. Um, but we always have to remind ourselves, but whether it's a good score or a bad score, it's only a snapshot in time. And the history of what happens in that restaurant, good or bad, is is what helps people make decisions. And, and that that po- grade posting doesn't tell us that history. I mean, I'd love this is the, the like if if I was to design one, I think it would have both a snapshot and a historic portion. You know, here's the. Um, you know, the last one you had was a 94.5, but over the last five inspections, you had 90, you know, a, a, a mean of 91. It's not, you know, you've got a history of not, you know, you overperformed this last one, but the, you know, you've got some issues. And then here's what those infractions were for, hand washing. Right, right. And, the, and, and yeah. Yeah, and, and do you have the same problem again and again? And yeah. if, if that's the case, fix that thing. Then I right? want. Then I can make. Thing. Yeah, and then I can make a decision on it, right? Right. Like, like now I'm like, oh well, this place is pretty shitty. At, oh, sorry, this is not very good at um, at Marker. hand washing. Yeah, we'll we'll cut that out. Um, this place is not very good at at hand washing. Um, I don't maybe want to eat there because they've they've been told five times that hand washing is a problem for them. The inspector who knows this world, who is out here, sees it every time. Um, they're not learning. They're not. They're not being a good business and responding to the things that the regulators are, are highlighting for them, which is the lowest possible bar because they should be doing it without the regulator being there. It's that. That's right. what. That, like that to me makes for a much better, um, a much better system, Pol- politics wise or society wise, as uh, Bob Buchanan would say. Um, it, it it's easier for a you know a local council. 
um, municipality politician to say, look, we're going to post the inspection scores, and people will make a decision based on it. I, you know, I think we're we're missing that that second level of okay, what's what's behind that score, and that's why I mean it's kind of like why I like our system here in North Carolina. So we have um, you've got the score at the point of sale. And then all the previous inspection results, I think it's the past two or three years, are available online. So if you are really concerned about what that score is, you can look it up right away. Um, or if you want to look it up before you go, you can go and look at the history. And then it breaks down into exactly what the infractions were. We call them foundational um, you know, risk factors are foundational ones, uh, and, and where they are. And that's like a much better you know, system, but I'd love to see that as you go through the drive through at Starbucks at, yeah, it's a 94 and the last four were 91, 96 and a and hundred. And, um, and, and only one of those has been for hand washing. Right. And, and it would be fantastic if you're looking for a restaurant and you go into Google Maps and it shows you, well, this is what people said, you know, four stars out of five based on 20 things. And then click on this link for health department re- reports. Right. I mean, that would be fantastic because then, be. then you can make an informed decision. That's what that's what it's all about. That's what we're supposed to do, Don, is help people make informed decisions. Indeed. <laughs> oh, good. That was that was I wanted to, you know, well, I like revisiting revisiting that one every once in a while because um because inspections are important, and and there's so much, uh, so many resources that go into them, and, and I want to make sure that that we you know collectively make them more important that we can get more out of it. Like not that we don't get stuff out of it now, but but how do we make them even better um, and more you know, more useful? Right. Well, and you know one of the so I teach I uh, give a guest lecture once or twice a year to the dietetics uh, students who are taking the quantity food preparation class, and I talk about food safety and I talk about the work that we do for Rutgers University Dining, and I point out that uh, our cafeterias, our Rutgers University cafeterias, are inspected once a year by New Brunswick Public Health or uh, Piscataway Public Health, and then by virtue of the program that is administered in my lab, um, we uh, we inspect them probably twelve times a year, and. So my question to the students is, do you think that they're 12 times safer? Right. right. Probably not. Probably not 12 times safer. Are they probably safer? Sure. Um, but again, you want to know like what. And again, most of the time, uh, most of the time, uh, everybody scores above a 90. Right. And it, we have a very simple scoring system. We just have a number of questions that we ask. Um, if a question is not applicable to a smaller facility, we just don't ask that question. And then we just compute. It's a simple. We don't have foundational and whatever all the the nuanced yeah. complexities. It's just it's just a checklist. And mostly, what I do when I review those reports is I just look and see what what did they get dinged for right and a lot of times it's um uh, like the the in the dry storage area, they had some things that were out of date, or the bags in the dry storage area were not closed, or things like that. And then what we also do, and I think we've talked about this before too, is we do a very very comprehensive temperature measurement. We check we check temperatures on all cold holding and all hot holding items, and then I I don't compute a simple in or out of compliance score. I co- I compute a score that's kind of vaguely risk based where. Like if, if, the te- if the required cold holding temperature is 40 degrees Fahrenheit and they're at 42, they lose a little bit. But if it's at 50, they lose more. And if it's at 60, they lose a lot of points. And so I can quickly look through. I can see just by whether it's bolded or not, whether they're in or out of compliance. And then I scroll down to the bottom and I just look at that numerical score. And so I know that if somebody has a lot of things out of temperature control, but they still got a 90 or a 95 on this, on this, this, this uh, uh, graduated scale, they're probably doing okay. 
okay. But if I see a, a, like a 50 or a 60 or a 70, it's like, well, okay. So now you kind of, or an 80 is sort of in between. And so then I use that to communicate to the sanitarian and say, well, look, you probably want to go check on, on cold holding or hot holding at that place because it's, it's, a, it's a problem potentially. Yeah, right, right. And that's, uh, that's where we got to, we, we should, we, we should do more of that. Like that, that is, it, it's easier to do in compliance and out of compliance. It's almost like the, the, um, the difference between a quantitative and qualitative risk assessment, right? Yes. Like, like, yeah. like we, we can tell you a little bit and it's easier and we can do more of them, but, but maybe we need to, if, if we really want a risk-based system, we've, we've got to get a little more in in depth and say yeah this is not quite as bad as this although they're both out of compliance or whatever right. or whatever yeah oh it's good it's good stuff oh so one thing i want to mention um bef- just before we 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 wrap up is i want to publicly apologize to uh faith uh, uh critzer or critter as as she's known dr uh, critter dr critter in autocorrect circle she emailed me um last month to say, hey, do you have any of those magnets left? Because we're doing a thing and I could use about 40 of them. I forgot and I forgot and then I saw her and I forgot again. And so I emailed her this morning and she said, don't worry about it, but thanks. (laughs) So so I totally dropped the ball. But I want to just give a shout out to anybody out there who's listening. We still do have a bunch of food safety talk magnets. Um, I, I, you know, if you if you want one or two, that's okay. But really, I'm interested in somebody that could use a bunch of magnets to give away. Um, so if you have a bunch of if you have a, a bunch of people you'd like to give away some food safety talk magnets to, please let us know, and we would we would be delighted to give them to you so you can give them away. Awesome. I think I'm going to get some more t-shirts. Cool. Because we're out. So I don't know what we're going to do. We'll have some sort of a competition. For people, awesome. Yeah, that the, if they if they do something, we'll send them a T-shirt and a thermometer. Nice. Yeah, because I also have a I also have a bunch of thermometers. Um, uh, I, I there was so I had one other little thing to talk about that you mentioned Shh. something. I made a note of sure. Um, it was oh so, that at one seventeen you cursed. <laughs> oh yeah yeah we got that I got that. Okay. Um, I uh, <laughs> and we've done so well, Don. It's like eighty seven. <laughs> Yeah. episodes and that was the first one yeah. 87 curse free mostly <laughs> um i so you were talking about the history of you know the uh, potentially hazardous food yes. time temperature control that combination i didn't know any of that i mean mm-hmm. i i did i like and that that stuff's fascinating to me from uh uh, you know, from a, a science historian standpoint, but also from understanding why we make decisions the way we do, uh, and the things that lead in, lead into why the the regs or the guidelines are the way they are, and and I feel like we, you know, it, uh, back maybe in the in the 30s of our episodes when we used to do the you know the history of food safety um, and food microbiology stuff that was pulled together for the IAFP um, uh, 100 year uh, anniversary. We we got a little bit into the like the overall big picture food safety stuff, but but stuff like this that that you've got you know some history. There's lots of others. I mean, Carl Custer has a ton of of knowledge, and Jack Gazayich. I, I feel like we're we're ripe for some sort of you know publication on the history of food safety regulations. That sound that when you say it like that, it sounds like so so boring, <laughs> but. Yeah. But but like a Doris Kearns Goodwin style book on why these decisions were made and what that means and how that changes things. I I just would love. I mean I I don't want to write that. I want to read it. 
So I, I want someone to write that. And I, I'm, I say Doris Kearns Goodwin because I'm in the middle of her uh, classic 1991 uh, um, biography of uh, Lyndon's, Lyndon Bain Johnson, Lyndon LBJ. I don't even know how to say his name. Hmm. You know, or one of our presidents. Not, and he wasn't prime minister. Anyway, it's just fascinating. It's really good, great writing, but but very like, um, you know, she's just she's just good. Uh, it, but anyway, I, like we need something like that. It doesn't exist, right? I mean, there's no right. there's no history of and and I, I th- there there's a selfish side of this. When when I teach people in my extension world about why we have regulations the way we are we the way we do. It's so much easier to do so if we can tell the story of what what led to it, and 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 how, what the, what the decisions were around it, like that, because none of this stuff is is black and white. Like that that whole interactions, aspect between pH and water activity, although you know sounds boring, is is fascinating because it allows for the industry to do stuff, in a way that's not just black and white. You have to meet these two parameters. And and I, I there's a story there somewhere. There's a there's a fascinating story to that that we could be using in in education for those who are interested in it. Well, and and right, and we are just uh, on the doorstep of another step change, right? With FISMA yeah. coming, we have the preventive controls rule um, and produce rules coming out this month, maybe. So yeah, it's we we are really in a very interesting time. Oh, someone's got to write that book. Who should we get to do it? Doris. I'm gonna I'm gonna email Doris. <laughs> good good so idea. I'm gonna tweet the, at her. The, 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 good good. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know. It's it's it definitely would take a lot of work. Um, and yeah, I would I I'm not gonna write it, but I would love to read it. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll uh, let's let's out there. That's Ronnie, two people. That's two people that would yeah. read it. We read it. So if we, I, buy, I would not only would I read it, I would buy it. I'd buy I it. Would. Yeah. I would I would buy copies for my students. So I can yeah. so I'm sell like six. Uh, of them, I think it would be, um, it, it would be really, it would be really good to have something like that. And I, if someone decides that they're going to do it, I will send them a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it's a free Food Safety Talk T-shirt. If that's not incentive, them, I'll send them all the rest of the magnets. All the magnets, Food Safety Talk T-shirt, uh, and two two different thermometers. Uh, and, Com- and we'll, P- we'll, we'll, yeah, and we'll, and we'll buy them a drink at an open bar. Yeah, open bars all on us. Awesome. So, all right. I think that's a that's a wrap. I think that's so. A that's a show. Don, I like as I like the ones that we sometimes prepare for, even though uh, we this was one of them that I, I jotted some notes down, but it was, it was good. And and cool. I like the ones where we where I talk to you. Yes, the ones <laughs> and the ones where you talk back. Yes, yes, and and you should talk more. You should and you should <laughs> I should talk more. And we laugh too much. We do. Don't laugh at our jokes. We should laugh. I should laugh at your jokes. You, not my own jokes, and I don't know. I, I like the I like that the uh, the car talk guys just laugh uproariously at each other. And it's not. I I don't know. I like I said. I have not listened to car talk. Um, yeah, it's so okay. That that listen. only came up as homework uh, when we trip when when we traveled to uh, uh, Cambridge and, and Harvard right. Square, I'm, I'm, our first city. Our first yeah, Boston, uh, Boston Mass. Boston Mass in the middle middle of the dot. Um, yes. Hey, uh, I will. Uh, we we will plan on doing this again because because uh, we we're on a roll. We should we right. should just record more of these. We should post them. Uh, people should listen to them, and it's always fun. We do run into people like Callie who said, oh, yep. "I like to listen to the podcast." Thank you for posting them, and not. I mean, it's very nice. It's, it's always nice to hear these kind words that people listen to things that we do. 
So thanks to the listeners, as always. Yes, yes thanks thanks to Callie for, for listening. That's that's it. We're at least in double digits now, I think, in terms of listeners. And none of them, tell your wife, none of them are shut-ins. Don't, I'm not sure, but okay. Well, we did. well, the ones that are shut-ins haven't contacted us. That's true. We haven't heard for sure. All right, we'll uh, talk to you later, Don. Bye. Bye. Another great episode. Another great episode. That's like a, a number one, a number one with a bullet. <laughs> I don't know what that. Term, term or my, means. my my favorite my favorite uh, emoji. One hundred. One hundred. One hundred. Keeping it a hundred. Um, hey, so I don't know. You know, like, I always look at this time of the podcast where we're doing after dark on what people say on on uh, on the on the iTunes. Yeah. And no, we haven't had any new uh, oh. um, ratings or anything, but. Um, Episodes 81, 80, 79, and 78 are our most popular. All right. But I don't know why. Like, I don't know what that algorithm is. It's that, like, number of downloads in the last month or last well, week. Is one of those the one with Merlin? It is. And that yeah. one's actually not our most popular. <laughs> Shh, don't tell well, him. That. No, but you know what's funny about it is, like, in this algorithm, but I know when I look at the back end right. of um, foodsafetytalk.com, it is our most popular. I mean, we had 3,200 downloads of that or something. Wow. Yeah, so, yeah so, so it must be that's I can, I can see I haven't oh maybe all right so food safety yeah, I don't know I, I this is the internet is very confusing to me downloads are very confusing I don't I don't understand I'm just I just I'm just glad that more people keep subscribing to our mailing list um, which to me is is like that's a number that I can see and it mostly goes up yeah oh, that's good so yeah. on, I'll, I'll tell you on metrics I go to traffic overview mm-hmm. and then I go by monthly I think. And so it tells us that our audience size is over the last year is 4,000 downloads. Sorry, I got the numbers wrong. The, the, the uh, Merlin uh, da- was downloaded uh, 1,100 times, almost 1,200 times. Wow. Yeah. So that's based on – that was the only one we posted in August. Okay. Um, FST. Recording. Perfect. Yeah, that's that's a great that's a great time. So things after I was supposed to go to DC that week with Bill Hallman actually. Oh. Yeah, Bill invited me um to do to be part of this GIFSAN group on risk communication. And then oh, also cool. Bill's been and he invited me also to he chairs the FDA risk communication advisory yeah. council. Yeah. And they invited me to come talk in uh, in December at the at the advisory council. Nice. Yeah, it's really cool. So anyway, but the thing that I was supposed to do with him on the fourth and fifth of 
um, of November just got canceled because of the federal government potential shutdown. They didn't. Oh. So anyway, we're we're doing it in all in April yeah. now, but. Yeah. So actually, the thing that I'm I'm not sure if I'm doing or not on November second has a bizarre uh, Bill Holman connection as well. He has a graduate student who is trying to graduate um, and who has been uh, multiple times rescheduling her defense uh, because of some um, uh, stuff going on in her personal life. And so I don't remember where we where we left it um, in terms of in terms of that. So I need to go and check like what's what going day, on. Yeah, yeah. Because it's changed like five times now. Yeah. Well, there you go. And by five, I mean probably three. Probably three. Just once. Just no, sure more than it. once. Definitely more than once. Um, and I, I was irritated. And Bill was like, why are you irritated? Because he's a good <laughs> like, communicator. He recognized that you were irritated and then he engaged with you on on why so he could get to the bottom of it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Um, okay, cool. So and then we've got I, – I mean we're on a roll here with who does what. So we just keep going with our – um, Ann and Don and Beth and Ben. Yes, I think that works best. Yeah. <coughs> so if you, um, so, I should have um, this one ready to go by the end of this week, which would be great. So I was thinking Wait, the one that we just recorded. No, today. no, sorry, not this one. The one, the the other one. Eighty. You've got eighty-two. Ready I, to I've go got up. the next one. Yeah, in and the eighty-three you, is yeah. the one that should be ready by the end of this week. So, so I figured if you could get yours up in the yeah, next I'll, couple of days, then yeah. I'll put mine up on the weekend. Yeah, I'll get I'll get it posted as soon as I can. That's what she said. <laughs> it's too easy there, Don. I'm just I'm now setting myself up for jokes and then answering and then, them. And, and then, then when because I, I let that one go, I, I know I just I know. said that, you know that's a, that's what she said, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna walk <laughs> past it. I'm just gonna quietly walk past it. I'm gonna look the other way like a gentleman. There was at one point in the last three <laughs> weeks where I said. That's what she said at home, but like really quickly before Danny could get like could get the next thing. Like that's what she said, and then she became like that. Be that was the funniest thing I've done in months. Like I turned into Michael Scott. Who oh nice yeah it was really it was good. Oh uh, that's that's good. She had a positive reaction to that. She did. She did. She thinks it's uh, she, she it, it is still funny for whatever <laughs> reason. It is, it's what keeps the romance alive. It is. It is. Oh uh, man. Um, Cool. So, uh, so that was good. All right. So we're. I think we're a go. Everything is. It's uh, signed, sealed, delivered, as the cliche artists say. All right. Cool. Um, hey, have a good, uh, good couple of weeks. Thanks. Enjoy your. Hey, yeah, yeah. Have, have fun in Dubai. Post. Uh, post lots of swanky pictures. I will. I will. I will swank it up. Um, I will, in fact, uh, be wearing T-shirts from the House of Swank, which turns out it's not maybe the. You know, that's the, those are the T-shirts that I have that are all North Carolina and Raleigh specific, like uh-huh. my picture of the state of North Carolina that has vinegar and and tomato. Which which the will let the record show you wore to the Good Lovelies concert. I did. It's my it's like my coolest shirt. It's, pre- an, it's a pretty cool shirt. I have another shirt that um, that says collards. It's green and it looks like the college shirts. You know that. Were oh popular. yes. But it says collards instead of. Oh, college. that's fantastic. And there's also one that they make, which I don't have. That instead of Yale, you know the Yale shirts, it says kale. Oh, nice. Because you know we lo- we got a lot of collards and kale in our state. Kale. So yeah, nice. Kale and collards. So anyway, I'll, I'll next time I see you, I'll wear my collared shirt. Do that. Do that. Not my collared shirt, but my collards shirt. Right. See what I did there. Yes. Oh, Don, good to, good to chat. Uh, yeah, so I'll see you. Have a good travel, and I'll uh, talk to you in a couple of weeks. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.